This is episode 46 with Beachbody elite super trainer and mother of three, Idalis Velasquez. And, and I've never shared these things, by the way. I can't believe I'm sharing that. But if it helps some women who go through those things mm-hmm. and for people who might look at my Instagram now and my brand and think, oh, she has her life figured out. No, I've gone through a lot of things. And that's the reason why I know how important it is to take care of ourselves, to, to exercise, to, to eat healthy. Hey, moms, are you tired of being tired or maybe yelling at your kids or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? or learn to manage your stress, trying to do it all, or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Hi, welcome to another episode of Citrus Love Podcast. Today, we are switching it up and talking about fitness. A lot of mothers have recommended the Beachbody On Demand, this particular app to do workouts at home and to switch it up. And being pregnant, I've been doing their prenatal workouts, which Idalis has a workout for that. So that's how I connected with her. And I just have to say that it does not disappoint. There's so much variety with this. And so if you're looking for something that keeps you on your toes and switches it up when you're at home or if your gym is closed and you're like, oh, how am I going to stay motivated? Well, there's tons of workouts and they're so good. If you're consistent, you will see changes. I went directly to a mother that is inspiring thousands about staying healthy and the joy of working out and exercising. I was expecting to ask her tons of questions, but she opened up for the first time about something that she struggled with that she's never spoken about on a public platform. And so this conversation went into a direction I wasn't expecting myself. It just shows you, you never know what someone's story is by the image they share with the world. We talk about how she got to where she is today, the struggles she had to go through. Some of it was related to postpartum depression and some of it was related to her fitness journey and how she got to where she is today and why it's so important for her, the work that she's doing. And we also talk about beliefs around workouts, body image, motherhood. So let's talk about today's guest. I have to say, I could go on and on about her credentials. She's accomplished so much, but I'll keep it to uh, the main ones. Idalis was born in Puerto Rico and she's now living in Florida. She's a proud mother of three girls, has the 14-year-old, 
10-year-old and a 2-year-old. She's a former track athlete and an internationally recognized elite trainer who specializes in fast, efficient, and effective at-home programs that help busy women and men get the result they want with the time they have. She's a Beachbody super trainer, bilingual, Spanish and English fitness influencer, and she's an elite super trainer of Beachbody's the first Latina super trainer with her program called Mestemas. And you'll hear in the episode, she mentions her new program, which is the 30-30, the 30-day breakaway program she just launched last week about how to run your first 5K. Is going back to her running roots to show you what's possible. She has over 102,000 Instagram followers. She has a YouTube channel. She was a cover model for Women's Health Magazine 2014 when she won the next fitness star, which is the U.S. search for the next top personal trainer. And she was on the cover of Women's Health that year. She's a fitness expert and consultant, has made numerous appearances. She sometimes posts videos of her and her little ones around her when she's doing her workouts at home, which is so cute. Her workouts and fitness tips have been featured in publications and nationally recognized websites such as Women's Health, Men's Health, People, People's Self, Oxygen, JQ Magazine, Teen Vogue, Huffington Post, Latin Times, Pop Sugar, Good Morning America, and many others. And she was such a delight to speak with. So bubbly, so fun. You can feel her energy in this conversation. And so it was incredible to get a chance to speak with her. With that being said, I hope that this conversation will energize you. Don't forget to leave us a review. Go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. So appreciated. It gets this conversation ranked higher so more mothers can listen to it and hopefully strengthen your mind, your body, and just your spirit. Bring more joy and confidence and fun um, and connection to your own mom journeys. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Make sure to tag at Citrus Love Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. Or you can share directly by going to www.citruslove.com slash episode 46, where you can share the article and everything else. Let's get to it. Welcome, Idalis. Thank you for being here today on Citrus Love Podcast to inspire some mothers and give us some healthy living and exercise tips and advice for either the woman that wants to get back in shape, maybe she had a baby a couple of years ago, or just to become, to reach her strongest mom selves from the inside out. So thank you again for being here. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me. I am so excited to be here. Um, as a mom of three, I am just Oh, my heart is always with the mom community and especially all of you are pregnant and all of you who wants to to feel your best and, and just use fitness as a tool to to just kind of like be more energized and feel better as a mom and, and you know and everything that you do. Before we get into all the story, I had a quick question what you posted on your Instagram because you're a runner, you love to run, you live in Florida. And I'm so curious because you mentioned that you go running with pepper jack. 
Oh, yes. So I am very cautious. I feel like as women, it is so important <laughs> that we protect ourselves. I grew up, so you understand why I'm always thinking like the defense side. I grew up, I was raised by my dad. So my dad, and since I was uh, three, four years old, I was always doing um, personal uh, Taekwondo, Judo. So I grew up uh, kind of like knowing how to protect myself. And obviously as a runner, these stories are rare, but sometimes it happens. Um, women are we're more prone to be attacked. So I'm always very cautious about my safety. One of the things that I started doing this past month, um, I really go jogging on my own, but I always carry pepper gel just in case. I know how to defend myself, but you know, you always need a little extra something. <laughs> That's funny because I grew up on a farm. Um, I'm in Canada, so I grew up like in the woods on a farm. And when I moved to the city, my dad gifted me with, well, it's pepper spray and we call it bear spray. So usually it's hikers <laughs> that take it. And I was like, dad, but I'm going in this city. Like, why do I need this? Well, I am always on the lookout and especially us moms. Um, I live in South Florida and a few years ago, there was an incident about a guy that was just mainly attacking moms because huh. he will go to malls and he will look for SUVs that have car seats in it. And you know, sometimes we have the strollers. The first thing we do, we put our kids in the stroller. I mean, on the, on the car seat and then we do the stroller. And then by then, you know, you're not really paying attention to your surroundings. So he was literally like, and I don't want to scare moms, but <laughs> he was like kidnapping moms. And that's another thing that I always think like mom is especially, it's so important that we just, you know, we're always on the lookout. <laughs> yeah. Thank God I've never had any scares or anything. It's just, just, just to feel a little extra protected. Yeah. So you're known to be an international elite trainer, the best, one of the best in your fields, beach body super trainer. For all the ladies listening that follow beach body program, like this sounds amazing. What does it mean exactly to be considered a super trainer? So the super trainer, um, as you know, Beachbody is the leading, and when it comes to at-home fitness, it's been for years. And actually, that was one of my, uh, when I decided to become a fitness professional, I wanted to be the first Latina super trainer. So the title is, you're not just a trainer. You are one of the best in the world, and you get to create, you have the opportunity, they trust you to create um, the most amazing fitness programs that people have, millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people do at home. So that's what the super trainer entitles, and we obviously, we we have to stay always committed with the Beachbody world community, supporting them. And, and, and it's really is an honor to, to be a super trainer. Wow. Do they tell you every year you have to develop a new program or it's basically you bring them ideas? Yeah. So when I started out, I used to work for other brands like Women's Health, Men's Health. I was a uh, NordiTrack, which is a very um, international brand. And, and I used to do fitness programs and series for them. Um, so Beachbody, in my case, they were looking for the first Latina super trainer. They wanted to grow the, the Hispanic uh, community, the market, and they needed someone who was bilingual. Um, luckily in the United States, there are a lot of other people who are influential, but their Spanish was not as great. And they didn't have my resume when it comes to the experience, my certifications, um, the knowledge. So that was the thing that they, they saw in me and then they, they hired me to create the first program that is called the month of more mess than math. That is kind of like an introductory um, program for the Latino community. But then during that process, I found out that I was expecting my third kid. Um, so when I thought, Oh, I am pregnant. They're going to fire me. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to lose my opportunity because there's no one has ever created a program being expecting. And, and I just, I was just 
remember I was just crying and very nervous, but then they were amazing. And we just kind of like sped up the process of filming and we were hiding. By the time I was in production with for uh, Mess and Mass, I was 14. I was filming in the weeks of 15 and 16 of my pregnancy. So I was starting to show, but we were definitely like hiding it a little bit with looser clothes. And thank God I was feeling, I wasn't feeling great, <laughs> but by then I wasn't the second. And, you know, the second trimester, I was feeling a little bit better and, and, and I wasn't falling asleep on the floor like I was when I was during rehearsals. So I was able to do it and it meant a lot to me. Um, it was very empowering because my other two pregnancies, um, it was very different for me. I had a very difficult second pregnancy. The whole idea of being pregnant again, I was just terrified. Um, and, and we'll get a little bit more into that because I know this is the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so it, it was definitely something that being active, it was the first pregnancy that I stayed active, that I was taking care of myself. I was developing a healthier relationship with my body. I was I embraced the process to the point that at the end, I wasn't sharing much, much at the end on social media because I was just so tired and mm -hmm. I wanted to disconnect. But, um, but I literally like, I just embraced it. It was the first time that I, I just celebrated everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I, and I allowed myself to be comfortable in my skin. And then they told me, oh, well, you're pregnant. Let's do a prenatal and postnatal uh, series. That's why we only did like a few workouts. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, sure. And like a month or two later, I went there and filmed the workouts that, that you have done with me. <laughs> yes. Yes. And when you're filming these, you have to go there and you film inside are they like long days they are very long days um i think i have the record of the person who has filmed the more workouts in a day for beach body <laughs> um, because i i'm obviously i was very athletic so for mess and mass i was doing three workouts a day and they're like 30 minutes ish i was it was very physically demanding but i was i trained for it you go to la the productions they are this amazing company they have an amazing team and we have everything from makeup from assistance from people who are part in the cast. They always create a set for um, their individual programs that we create. And in my case, for Mes de Mas, I was living in Los Angeles for a month. But most of the trainers, they, they already are local. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to. It's just a few of us that we have to travel. And then it requires a little more sacrifice when it comes to, you know, especially for me that I have kids. I have had to make certain sacrifices uh, when it comes to being able to do these fitness programs. It's time that I, you know, that I have to be apart from my family. But I've been very blessed that they, they understand my daughters are older. They're older now. Sometimes they go, they get to go with me if they don't have school. It's been easier as they get older. Now with my youngest one, it's been, oh, it's like starting over again. Yeah. Yeah, so she's I she's just, almost two, right? It's gonna be two, which I am so sad. I can't believe. <laughs> oh, okay, my oldest is fourteen. Uh, Mia Valentina is gonna be ten next week. So there's a big gap because yeah. we really thought we're not gonna have any more kids. And honestly, I wanted more kids, but I really didn't want to be pregnant. So I even considered like I wanted to adopt mm -hmm. but we're not you know it, it, it didn't happen it, we ended up um, not pursuing that and then I found out that I was pregnant it was like a super surprise baby I just finished filming a few months ago a program that is going to be released in October called 30 day breakaway which is uh, strength training and running and the first time that we started production I took the baby with me and I was lucky enough to take the nanny with me which is something rare I usually take my aunt or a relative but then the last time it was the same I had to be out for a month that was the hardest thing like I was it was awful 
<laughs> like to be without my daughters. But then I knew like my husband was just, it's okay. It's going to be okay. This is going to be, then it's going to allow you to be here all the time, the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something that, that is hard, but they also are the reason why I do it. So yeah, but the days are very long. My days can start from 4.30 and finish 7. Wow. Um, my last production, I was getting home 9 and 30 p.m. Are you the only person developing the workout? I am very peaked. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, my programs, they, they have an amazing staff on Beachbody that they have a team of experts. Promise and Master was one person that was helping me. And I would say like it did like 95%. And then she did, when it comes to the programming, she added some amazing ideas, but then she helped me in other areas. Like she was more organized than I am. <laughs> So she will help me with all the things in the day to day when it comes to filming. But for the programming, me for the now the 30 day breakaway, it was a hundred percent me. Like I, I was the only one in the process because it was something so different than what they have ever done in the past. So I was a person who brought like the concept of doing audios, of doing the running along um, with the crew who runs with you. And then have an amazing team of people who supports me. And, and, you know, I cannot do it without them. I'm only the talent and I can design the programs, but there's so many other things that are needed besides that to make it work. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, one day in the life of Idalis looks like, oh, like a, a typical, just say a typical day. Definitely independence the season in my life. It's a beautiful mess <laughs> <laughs> that I've learned to embrace. I'm very honest when I talk to moms because I feel like I have so many experiences when I talk to other moms and I feel like some women seem like they have it all together. And when I was younger years ago and my other daughters were like younger, I used to, I used to fell in that comparison trap mm-hmm. of, oh my God, like they seem to have it together. Why am I struggling in this area and things like that? Now I'm older. Um, this is my third time. I'm definitely more relaxed, but I feel like, yes, it's definitely like, I'm always feel like I'm cashing up with life. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it, yeah. but I embrace it. I am. And I'm a very laid back person. Um, other than in work, I'm very, I'm very serious when it comes to creating a product and things like that. But I'm pretty relaxed. Like I've learned to, I prioritize. I have a schedule of what I want to follow day to day, but they vary. I'm always up 5 a.m., 5.30. Um, I work out uh, depending. I have a lot of meetings online. I have, um, I do content. These months have been all about the new program. Right now I'm running a test group and I have over 900 people that I've been checking in and, and engaged and interacting, making sure that everything is going well with them. Mm-hmm. And then um, social media, to be honest, it's the, it was my years ago, it's my least favorite thing. Now I'm seeing it for what it is. It's an amazing tool to help me stay connected, but I have like a, a little private. So sometimes because I spend so much time with my family and I've been working from home and, and there's just so many moments that I just no I don't want to share this like you understand I don't know if many people yeah. can relate to that but I now I work from home I have my workspace or I, but I also have a flexibility to to be there for my daughters mm-hmm. um, now things are different you know with the whole COVID so it's more interrupted but I find joy not every single second but most days I feel pretty happy. (laughs) (laughs) I have to ask you, what kind of help do you have as a mom doing all that you're doing? When I found out I was pregnant the third time, I couldn't breathe. Like I was like crying. (laughs) I was afraid. So I 
So since the last pregnancy, he's been more hands-on. He's he works a lot. He's a lawyer, so he also he also works long hours. He helps a lot in the mornings, home sometimes in the evening. But that's usually like the day has gone by. I've done the cooking, everything. I have a nanny that comes twice a week, and recently I hire an assistant. So I've been getting more help when it comes to my work and other areas, and mm-hmm. I'm in the process of continuing spending my brand. And I was a little bit not a control freak. It's just really hard because you know I don't know if you can relate but when you build a brand on your own and I'm used to I like to be the one that responds to everyone mm-hmm. um I'm used to just doing things in my, my own way it's kind of hard to to trust someone else to to help you in the process mm-hmm. so um, I'm definitely learning to to get help because I realize I just can't do it on my own and especially now that things are getting better and and, and are growing but um, I do a lot actually but it doesn't mean that I do it perfect mm-hmm. so I might cook one day I have I count my victories some days I cook pretty good now my orders <laughs> some days I order Uber Eats <laughs> which is like food, you know service um, now my daughters are older with their it's a plus because yeah. I I trick them into teaching them responsibilities but reality is like I I don't like cleaning the kitchen so I'm like hey girls let's do let's let's be a team let's keep the house organized so it's a little easier now because I delegate a little bit more but mm-hmm. years ago to be honest I had no help I didn't delegate and I was just it was really hard mother who was definitely really really hard for me mm-hmm. like I was struggling a lot um yes especially when my middle child when she was a baby it was really hard for me So I can't wait to get into this when you were pregnant. But before that, I just want to go back to something. You say you always tell your girls that they can do anything as long as they don't give up, like in your case. So I want to go back to a little bit of your beginnings because that's where your love of sports and especially running track began. You grew up in Puerto Rico. Yes. And you've said that it was a way to help you go through tough times and give yourself confidence. What was happening at that time that you turned to sports to feel good and release some of the tensions? You know, my all of my life, I I always shy away because when I was a young girl, I was new. I was that kid that was known from having the harsh life, the kid that had like social services in her house. So it was really tough. So for many years, I just focused on become successful. I thought like, and I honestly, I never owned my story until a few years ago because my husband was like, that is what your story is beautiful. It's not that it's just Mm. it was about like not giving up trusting being resilient like Mm -hmm. continuing like pushing forward and not letting those things and setbacks hold you back so a little bit about me growing up um that I can now share that not I haven't shared with a lot of people um but I figure you know we're all here moms we all struggle with different areas I grew up uh, my mom we didn't have a relationship she was um she was an she was a mental ill woman um now we have a beautiful relationship and and you know under what it allows you know our mm-hmm. the business and everything and in the marriage with my parents it was tough they divorced when I was five I lived with my mom for a bit so it was that household that there was a lot of incidents were happening and and we were always knowing school like you know you know people knew it was a small town God blessed me with the ability to do sports and I was really good at it I had a talent when I was at school just have good grades and and just be an athlete and that was kind of like my escape because I didn't want to just be known as the kid with problems in her house like people used to pity me so So then instead I became, oh, she's the best athlete in this school. She's the best Mm. athlete in the town. That whole mentality, by the way, then later on backfired because I grew up very um, 
accomplishment dream, accomplishment driven. And that is something that I'm actually working with my daughters. I don't want them to feel like that's their identity. I, I don't want them to grow up thinking like that's who they are because that at the end of the day, when you lose those achievements and in my case, when I got injured and things like that, you kind of lose your identity. So that's something that I'm really, one of my daughters is an athlete. My other one is very into arts and wants to pursue the art lifestyle that I know can have a lot of rejections. So I'm teaching them where their worth of comes from, who they are, and they're not just their talents because I didn't have anybody to teach me those things. So fast forward, I ended up representing Puerto Rico on the national team. And I did very well to the point that I got some financial freedom when I was in college, but, but it was tough, definitely. I was able to overcome a lot of things thanks to sports. Uh, but then after I got married very young, I was always that person. Thank God it has worked. We're, we're going to be married for 15 years now in October. But mm-hmm. I feel because I never had that family. Like mm-hmm. I always wanted a family. So I always, I was always that girl that knew like, I don't want to waste time. Like I just want, I knew what I wanted in life. And my husband is uh, nine years older than me. So I was 21 when we met. He was 29, um, 30, 30, 30, yeah. And then we, we, by the time I was 22, it was really fast. Like we, we started a family. So by the time I had my second daughter, I had a very unexpected, um, I had this pain. It was a it was, I wasn't feeling good that entire pregnancy. And I remember like I was anemic. So I started to do iron. Um, I, my body was screaming just then I used to get like a lot of headaches. But then one particular day I was laying down in bed, I was pregnant and I have this sudden pain, but it was awful. Like, and it wasn't the typical migraine and it started in the back of my head. And then when I couldn't bear the pain. So my husband, we called the doctors. They said, you have to take her to the emergency room because she ha- she may have eclampsia. And so when we were there, things just got worse. The pain, I was begging everyone for painkillers that you know that we're not supposed to. And I knew that, but it was just, I couldn't bear the pain. Mm-hmm. And then they did it when I had the symptoms, they did a CAT scan. And then when the results came back, they, the nurse, she started like rubbing my arm and she was being really sweet. And you know, that's not a typical, they don't do that. <laughs> they, don't, they don't touch you. They don't do that. Like, and, and then the doctor dropped a bump on us. He was like, well, you're having a, I, I, I'm, as you know, English is my second language. Um, I'm pronounced it, but it was a subarachnoid hemorrhage, which is, it's a, it's a bleeding in the brain in one of the areas and they had to transfer me. So when I heard those words and my husband, my oldest was four at a time, we just look at each other. And I literally, I call my, my dad in Puerto Rico. I call my mom, I call my brother and and I wasn't saying goodbye, but I was like, hey, like this is happening, like just in case, because I mm-hmm. I knew enough that that was something. Then I was in ICU for weeks. I have to have some procedures. So after that, my overall health just it just it's just got worse. But not just my physical health, my emotional and mental health too. And then for the first time, um, I was afraid to go to sleep at night. I was always in the uh, hospitals. Uh, the migraines kept happening and we never got answers why that happened. And that's, you know, as women and you're a mom, you want to know like, and I responded well to the medications and everything, but the, I still went through the whole process of um, how I had a constant headache for months because the bleeding was there. And it was kind of like, they allowed my body to just do it naturally. I was very weak. I could barely walk. I never lost consciousness or, or my ability to talk, but it was a very hard process. And then you add that to having a C-section, which I know some of you might have C-sections, you know, that's a very physical thing to go. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Oh, and then 
And this maybe this is TMI, but the second time it was my second C-section, I developed allergies. So it was the C-section was really hard. Anyway, it was just a very negative experience. I, and then you have this child that I love, that I wanted to be the best mom, but how could I be when I was just afraid for my own life? I was I, I didn't trust in my body. I became afraid. I became anxious. And then for the first time ever, I heard about postpartum depression. Yeah. But I never thought much about it. I was like, okay. Okay. Like I, you know, like I feel like sometimes when you're good in life, you really don't think about those things. Uh-huh. And I remember the first four days in, I was in the house and I told my husband, you know, when you have the first child, that is just, I remember the feeling. And when I held Mia, oh, oh, everything that I felt, I was just so in love and I didn't care that I was tired. Like I was high on, on all those hormones, the, the happy hormones. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel the same way with this baby. So I was breastfeeding. I was doing everything and I knew I love her but it felt like a shore it felt like I just I'm doing it because I'm the mom and I expressed a concern to my husband because I was beating myself I was crying I'm like no she deserves to be loved I want to feel the same way that I felt so that was the first red flag me telling my husband but you know men they are like they take them a little longer in life to catch up so I was like crying I have to tell you something but like and I don't know what he was expecting me to say but when I said I don't feel like I love her the way I do my other you know, he responded, he was like, oh, that, oh, don't worry about that. Like he was so <laughs> God bless him. I know now that, you know, he just didn't knew. And then I already had a great relationship with my daughter's pediatrician because he was older. And he used to say, you remind me of my daughter. You were both so hyper and ADHD and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, and so he knew me. And I remember like, then he was like, you know, the first months you go often and he said something to me he he was bold enough to say I think you have postpartum depression but I was like I was dismissive of it and then I remember my mom came to visit once and it's true I didn't feel like myself I didn't want to even shower and the first time that I felt I didn't feel that connection with the baby it was like four days in Like I knew I love her, but it was different. It was just different. And it lasted how long? Yeah, it got worse because I never got help until it was too late. So then it developed in this, which another thing that I didn't even knew could happen to women. Then I got diagnosis anxiety. Remember how I was telling you during that process, I was so afraid Mm -hmm. because I could, I was afraid to go sleep at night because I was afraid to not wake up. And then I did some research and apparently when you go to a trauma like that, it is normal to get depression. It is normal to suffer from anxiety, but I was, I was a young mom. I, none of my friends had kids. My family was far um, I have no social life right then. My husband was working all the time and I have that guilt. Well, he's working, he's a provider. I don't want to add to stress. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of like isolated myself, which I think it made everything so much worse. And I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed because I feel like, no, like you just had a baby. Like you're supposed to feel this way. You're supposed to be like this and this. We put this crazy pressure, but I wasn't well, period. I wasn't healthy. By the time my daughter was like four months, four months old, and, and I've never shared these things, by the way, I can't believe I'm sharing that, but if it helps some women who go through those things mm-hmm. and for people who might look at my Instagram now and my brand and think, oh, she has her life figured out. No, I've gone through a lot of things. And that's the reason why I know how important it is to take care of ourselves, to, to exercise, to to eat healthy because by then I wasn't eating healthy. I wasn't exercising either. Um, and I think all those things, you know, would have, would have helped. So what happened was that then it, it got worse. Then I would not, I was afraid of driving. I was afraid of, uh, my husband was not allowed to take my daughters. It, I became a very, 
crazy person. I don't know how to say it, but I didn't knew that it was postpartum anxiety. I then I was still having every other week I will have to, I will get another migraine. And the, when you go through something like that, every time you get a migraine that bad, they have to take you to the hospital to do another CT scan because they always need to make sure that you're not like another bleeding. So every, my whole life was just taking a toll on me, but I had two girls and they were both home. I was a stay at home mom and I did the best I could. And then one day uh, my husband was working late and I had like a chest pain and by then I didn't trust my body so I'm like here we go I'm having a heart attack now I'm only <laughs> 26 I had a brain bleed what's next I'm gonna have a heart attack I think I think Valentina was five months old and you know I just couldn't breathe and my husband wasn't home and he was like then call 911 but then they didn't find something and then the second time then I went to a doctor and I, that's when I was diagnosed with anxiety they prescribed some things. I didn't want it to take them. And then by then I kept on going through more health things. And then I started seeing all the specialists. And I think by month seven, six, seven, I was so frustrated to the point that I just, I just got tired of looking at myself and not recognizing who I was. I used to be this strong athletic person. Now I became sick. I was isolated. I was embarrassed because I felt depressed and I felt anxiety. Like I had these labels already. And I just became my I can't. I was, I was a negative person. I was living in fear. And one of the doctors, only one told me, you, you used to be an athlete, right? And I was like, yeah. He was like, why don't you just start running? And I remember thinking like, you know what? Yes, I have nothing else to lose. And prior to that, I was told I couldn't run because I had a neck injury. So that's why I stopped doing a lot of exercises too. So I then started studying all kinds of books. I started watching documentaries because prior to that, I didn't eat a single vegetable. I was a very picky eater. My life was, even though I was never overweight, my life was very all about junk food. I was an emotional eater. I was just about, if it's good, I'm going to eat it. Like food mm. was supposed to be tasty and delicious and whenever you wanted to. And because I was an athlete most of my life, I never had to go through the weight weight gain. Mm-hmm. Minus my first daughter, by the way. I gained 60 something pounds with her. I ended up almost 186 pounds. And I started that pregnancy in 114. <laughs> so, and, I, and I, I need to find more photos of that. But anyway, so that process of me having to actually look to my habits and what can I do that I can control? I can control how I eat, what I learn, if I add movement on the days that I was feeling good. And that's actually how I ended up um, getting certified because I was reading so many books and even getting education from other world-renowned like um, coaches. Uh, and I ended up I might as well just get certified. And then I, I, I was my own guinea pig. I started like applying everything that I was learning. And then it worked. I got really strong again. I got in shape. I was feeling amazing. I felt normal. <laughs> I, was a, I was a better wife, a better mom. Each week I started to feel better, but I feel like five months I was already feeling really amazing. Like mm. really amazing. But by my, my time my daughter was a year and a half, I was back to my old self. Not mm. my old self, because I wasn't, an, I wasn't exercising. To, yeah, like prior to that, I used to either exercise because I was an athlete to compete, or I had this mindset of, because I used to eat a lot of junk food, if I would exercise, I would go to a spinning bike and do like 30, 40 minutes of cardio, which I hated. Oh, I just ate that pizza yesterday. I'm going to burn off the calories. So I don't think I ever had a healthy relationship with my body or with nutrition. But after that... I just started doing it for me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm mm. not an athlete anymore, but I can, I can still feel my strongest self. I can, I can be my best. And that's why you will rarely see me on social media. 
I don't even like sharing a lot of before and afters because the way people always assume like it's just all about the physical aspect. Yeah. And in my case, it's never been about that. So it's sad because I guess I have good genetics and, you know, people think, oh, she's pretty, she's this, she has it easy. But it's never been the case for me since being a fitness professional. And it's not the message that I send. So just because um, I used to get judged at the beginning, but she, like, she looks a certain way, but that would never be the message because in my case, it was just life-changing and fitness and nutrition has a tool that just has, that God has helped me um, just become healthier and, and better and, and, and help other people. That was another thing after I had to stop being an athlete. Remember how I said that I was so accomplishment driven and then mm-hmm. I felt like I have no purpose. I lost my mm-hmm. identity. I didn't know who I was uh, other than being a mom and a wife. So it gave me something bigger than myself to be like, oh, and I had this crazy fire in me. I'm like, okay, I am going to help women. And for the first years, most of my clients, they were moms. They were um, very overweight women. And they were my favorite kind of people to train because they're people with so many self-limiting beliefs. They've been told by doctors, you're not going to be able to do this. And, and so I actually can relate to this day when I have conversations with moms, I relate with women like that who are vulnerable, who are honest with their journey and who have had hard struggles because that was my life. And even though I was embarrassed at the beginning to say it, now I am not. Most women, it's hard to be a mom. It's hard mm-hmm. to get the time. It's hard to have a marriage. It have to have a business. So, and it's hard to be healthy sometimes. <laughs> I love that. I love it. And you know what? You say you're not good on Instagram, but I love your Instagram because of your captions. What you write, it really resonates with just being authentic and just sharing like, yes, it's not easy. And yes, it's going to be a struggle. And some days you won't want to do it, but you have to think, at the end of the day, it's going to make you feel better. And I love that. And thank you for sharing this part of your story. I mean, still to this day, there's talking just about mothers um, and just being a woman. We're so tough on our, ourselves, oh like, God, definitely. especially you've given birth and a lot of first time moms are like, how many months does it take to get my body back? And But then you have the other side. You have some women, you know, that are naturally more curvy and just yeah. showing it online and saying, this is who I am. I'm comfortable with this. And I don't feel like losing weight. Like I'm, I feel good. So yeah. it's like figuring out what feels good to you. Exactly. Women put a lot of attention to the scale when they come, when they, you know, they start living healthier and things. And, um, and I really, really wish most people just go more in tune to what makes them happier because there's a lot of rules. And of course, there's tips that I can provide women how to get the most efficient workout, how to, if you eat this way, of course, you're going to get results, but that's not going to resonate. It's not going to work for everyone. They might be, um, there are people that they're good going, they can go on a scale every day or weekly and nothing happens to them. It's all the people that it affects them. So I think it's really important just to, to understand um, why you do it, that we are not just our bodies and, and, to, and to just be patient and kind with yourself because it's a lot. And, and the postpartum process is beautiful, but it can be brutal. It's a lot. Like it's, it's a lot that we go yeah. through. And that's something that honestly, this was the first time that I just allow myself to be 
I had a certain pressure because being in the fitness industry, of course, people look up to you. Till this day, I am a very flexible eater. Like I will have burgers weekly, pizza. Like I don't even care. Like, but at the same time, I also have a lot of healthy eating habits that are more than why, you know, the junk food that I consume comparing to how I was years ago. And I'm very active. But in the fitness industry, sometimes they put these crazy um, expectations, especially when it comes to the postpartum. So it was very uncomfortable for me to share that. I wanted to, to remember women, hey, even though you might see other women who are in the fitness industry, they might have a six-pack, six right? We 16 postpartum, three, four months. I don't have one yet. It is okay. I have cellulite. <laughs> but then it was also the comparison because... I'm still probably going to look uh, more fit because I was already super fit the entire pregnancy. Um, and I'm on the smaller side than other women. So I had women be like, oh, we'll take your postpartum body any day. So it's really, really hard because I, I'm always very conscious about not avoiding women to, to feel bad and compare themselves. But at the end of the day, it's a decision. And, and yes, I could have probably gotten fitter and be that fitness trainer that was like, oh my gosh, yeah, she lives what she preaches. And, and she was super fit again. And she didn't gain that much weight. Mm -hmm really bad with photos so I put them on my phone and then I'm that person that has like 20,000 photos I'm like a hoarder on my <laughs> iPhone but then I never pass them <laughs> to the computer it's terrible but it takes a but lot anyways, of time I know I know I know and now I actually have to change my phone because I'm like I don't want to go through that process again but oh but, uh, but at the end um I remember like I didn't share actually how how much weight I gained at the end, but I was saving those because I had like silver in my arms and all this area, even though I was active. So I, I found those the other day. So I'm gonna make sure that I started sharing that um, because it's really, really important for women. It is it's it's, it's a mindset. Yes. And what I did different this time, I just had fun. My whole goal was to avoid I was obviously afraid of having PPD so I was just like delegating more if I needed to um being kinder with myself I was eating as healthy as I could because I knew the nutrition part can definitely affect um whether you're more prone to anxiety or depression um I decided to embrace the process to take it easy to move when I felt like it just for energy reasons and then I would buy clothes that will fit in me at that time. I was not waiting like other moments. I would be like, I don't want to waste money. I don't want to do this. And then try to fit in in all the clothes that were not flattering. So this time around, I bought like, like a pair of jeans that, that was like four sizes bigger than what I usually uh, used to wear. Yeah, some bigger leggings that I, they were Lululemons. Boy, I wore those like a lot. <laughs> and just more flattering on things. I will just do my best. To, to feel good right now. Done. Yes, like to, to get my nails done, to, I, I never did like eyelashes extension. I actually started doing that during the postpartum. And it was like these little things that I know it's not going to really make you feel your happiest. But for me, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm focusing on what I can do to feel my best. I'm not going to give in to the pressure of the fitness industry of, of, of crazy expectations of bouncing back because no one will ever bounce back. Pregnancy changes you. You will mm -hmm. always have a postpartum body. Like you go through, whether you are has these sections, whether, um, you know, your pelvic floor, there's so many things that mm -hmm. our body forever 
ever be the same. Um, and we need to embrace that. So my whole mantra was like bouncing forward, like just kind of like, just keep moving forward. It might be a different body. It might be, but it doesn't mean that it cannot be really strong. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I don't, that I'm not going to love it, that I'm not going to embrace it and feel myself. And it doesn't mean that uh, I'm not going to wait until I lose the weight or until I feel good enough to to start sharing content so i was putting workouts and you can see the difference on how i look postpartum when i started to share my clips and you can even see i was still a little bit self-conscious because i wasn't perfect in the process so i would wear like some of this i would wear like a jacket or things like that only because i felt like oh people are just gonna expect that my arms are super defined super mm. early on and things like that so i every day i was having to make that decision but i'm like okay i'm gonna show up i'm gonna do what i can and but it was so much better uh this time around the process mm -hmm. of everything um other times i'm very pro of breastfeeding to the point that i am gonna be completely honest and i am glad that this happened to me before because before this postpartum, I never had any issues with breastfeeding. I was that mom that I was like a natural, like like a cow. Like I had my body have amazing <laughs> abilities to produce milk. And this time around, I was like, I'm going to do it until she's at least one year old. And this time life had a different ex different thing. So that was the hardest thing for me postpartum was like, I was crying like a baby because I was struggling with the breastfeeding, but I'm glad it happened because now I get it. Now I have empathy towards women because before that, because I was younger before and, and I was like, oh, I should, everybody should breastfeed. So I was very ignorant. And I remember placing judgment, whatever. They're just being lazy, you know, and I'm just being honest because obviously I have evolved. I am not as ignorant as I was when I was in my twenties. But this time around, I struggled with the breastfeeding. My body wasn't producing. I was doing all the teas, eating extra meals. I hired two lactation consultants. Um, and then the baby kept on losing weight. And then by the time she was at eight weeks consultation with the doctor, she just lost more weight. And I just was busting in tears. Like I was, I was putting the alarm every two, three hours. So I was, even if she wasn't awake at night i was pumping just to make sure that my body kept producing and uh, my body was just doing one ounce two ounces and, and that baby was she was really eating like mm -hmm. more than that and so i have that first experience for the first time of oh my god my body's betraying me one more time what's going on this time i'm doing everything that you're supposed to do and i am so happy and i think that's why it's so important as women to be so honest towards another as moms because the pediatrician now this time a female she was a mom of three too and i just started crying i'm like i am doing everything i can like to make sure that that i produce milk and she was so beautiful so empathetic and she was like you know what and that's okay but it's okay she it's going to be okay if you feed her formula. Um, and then she shared with me, I went through the same thing my third time around. You know, it's, 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 mm. it's harder when we're like mid-30s. Like our bodies, the difference on how my body reacted to pregnancy than my other two times. My other mm. two times, my hair got beautiful, my skin. This time, I was face oils every day, way too much <laughs> because my skin was so dry. My skin was really dry. My hair was, what, what was happening? It wasn't good. But anyways, so this baby, and she was mostly fed with formula. I have to, again, trust the process and be like for my mental sanity because I was really being hard on myself. There was one day that I was kind of like fighting with my body so much because I wanted to, to pump and, and I did everything. 
so tired because I wasn't sleeping and my body was shaking and my husband got home and I was like, I'm really trying. He was like, no, Dallas, you need to rest. Like you have to stop. We have formula. And I don't know why I was that silly, like to think that I was being a bad mom because I wasn't, you know, so sometimes we make these stories in our head that make, that make no sense. Like just mm -hmm. What took me so long to be like, it's okay, just supplement the formula. Yeah. And she was a formula baby. I found this amazing Dutch formula that I, until this day, I'm still giving her to her. And she was my healthiest baby. And I'm not saying that. I do believe yeah. that breastfeeding is amazing. But for some reason, she was the baby that was the less sick. So go figure, you know. Huh. <laughs> Since you're being so honest, like a lot of mothers listening, I'm sure not of all of them work out. Some would like to, but there's, I mean, there's excuses. Oh, I'm tired. What tips could you give to that woman, that mother listening of how to keep herself energized or motivated to work out? What's your little, how do you say, elevator pitch to help her find joy in movement yeah. again? Because so we all know I, we need to exercise, but we don't oh, all do it. Yeah. So my movement is healing movement will give you energized. We all know the benefits. So the thing is like to focus on what you can do. What happened is a lot of women, they, they tend to think, oh, but I need to work out 40 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour. I have to do all these things. Like, no, start small, focus on moving your body ways you enjoy, whether that's walking outside, running outside, maybe doing some stretches and, and just think of exercise the way I think, because trust me, I don't want to work out most days. Like who wants to work out? Like not even when I was an athlete. I cannot I believe that. <laughs> it is true. But it is like, like me eating vegetables. Do I want to eat my vegetables till this day? Mm. No, my body still craves the, the Puerto Rican food that has zero nutritional value, <laughs> the pizza, all the Nutella, the Oreos. Like I, I'm still that person, but I do it because I know it's, I have to, especially after all the things that I went through, I noticed how much better I feel. And I would be like irresponsible of not appreciating my body, my health and taking it for granted. Yes, I just focus on what you can do and in all the benefits um, and motivation. I don't know why they use it so much in the fitness industry. We all know motivation is not reliable. At the end of the day, we need to have the discipline and create the habits. So that's why I always tell women, like, okay, start small. Maybe set a goal of, okay, this week I'm going to do two or three workouts. I'm going to commit to doing 20 minutes. Hopefully a lot of people have fish body on demand. They have amazing programs there for all the taste and fitness levels or whatever you want to do. And just see it in a way to connect with your bodies. Because if we're not exercising, if we're not eating healthier and we're just being mindful we're not really in connecting with our body and listening to what it needs. And I think there's so much data nowadays, like we're becoming more sick, less mobile, um, even postpartum depression, anxiety, like a lot of times exercise, it was like night and day, how I started feeling when I started since the day one, when I started adding movement, even now when I have a bad day, like I go for a little run and I don't exercise as much as people assume. I just have a really high level of fitness. So what I'm able to do in 20, 40 minutes, is just a lot, but I don't do it every day either. I work out three to five times a week. But again, till this day, I'm like, okay, I need to do this because I know I need to like, I get to do it. Like I get to move my body. I get to exercise. I know I might not want to start, but I'm going to feel amazing. But yes, yeah, like don't rely on motivation and just rely on what can you do 
to be your best, to feel better, to have more energy and exercise is definitely going to help out and just be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's okay to give yourself grace in the process. Don't expect to, if you never exercise, don't expect to be um, exercising five times a week. And the other things, when we have kids, our body goes through so much. And one thing that I noticed, notice with postpartum mamas because sadly not every doctor but most doctors they never tell you hey you need to do proper core exercises you need to strengthen your glutes yes. so that you have a lot of hip pain so that you don't have low back pains you need to do pelvic floor exercises yes you, you want to feel your best you don't want to dry you want your your whole like our hormones like we all know these hormones are real like strength training is one of the best things you can do do for um, your hormonal environment. So I see it like as how it is. So obviously, yes, looking good, it is a byproduct of your lifestyle and what you're doing. But sometimes that takes a little bit longer, you know? So I'm, I'm always telling people, okay, treat your body, think about your longevity. I was a person who had like serious neck pains, back pains. When I went through, I could barely um, shower her, like bathe her. Like my back was in so much pain that I couldn't bend. So it was just... Can you believe that there's so many moms that they struggle yeah. doing little day-to-day tasks. Was, they, don't, yeah. they, they don't play with their kids. They get tired. Yeah. And that's some things that I'm like, I am so grateful now that I, it's, a, it's a part of me, that it's just part of not my day-to-day, but some days I'm just active. Some days what I do is maybe just to film clips on Instagram. But when I exercise, I really exercise and I have that intention of, okay, like I want to get to my 40s and I want to be even stronger than how I felt in my 30s. Like I said, goals like that is so much more than appearances because we are going to age. Our body is just going to get worse and worse and worse. So we need to do our part to at least uh, maintain that mobility, that functionality, because especially as moms, there's a lot, but then women, they accept it. They accept it. They're like, okay, I'm just going to be leaking the rest of my life. I'm just going to have low back pain but there are things as someone who went through so many things there are things that we can control and maybe you have scoliosis maybe you have herniated this but you can strengthen your core you can strengthen your glutes so that you have at least 60 percent less pain so that you don't have to rely on medication so that you're more mobile and then you can and by the time you're 70s you still have um a decent lifestyle I have a question about the exercises. During my second pregnancy, I I almost didn't exercise. And I was, after that, so much pain. I couldn't walk, hold my baby. So I was in physio for a year. And I I had a personal trainer in the beginning because I was always in pain, didn't know what to do. And she told me that doing crunches was actually not a good exercise. Oh, no, no. Can you talk about that? What are good core exercises? First of all, if you see someone on Instagram doing crunches still, there's one thing to do like some sit-ups and like hollow body position exercises. Those are great exercises. Please don't follow them. Just kidding. No, but, <laughs> but like the fitness pro, I can tell you, especially for women, they are useless. Uh, most people do it incorrectly. You're going to get just low back pain. You get neck back pain, neck pain. But most importantly, when we are doing the process of pregnancy, a lot of women develop diastasis recti, which is that ab separation, Mm -hmm. which is very, very common. A lot of times it comes back, uh, but most women have one to even four finger separation. I had that. So 
Yes. So these kind of exercises are just going to make it worse. And if your core is not functioning correctly, you know, our core is, is, is made of our hips, our glutes, our low back. So everything is connected. So you're going to be experiencing um, other pains and aches in your body. And then some exercises are going to feel um, not good in your body. So when it comes to postpartum, when you are in that fourth trimester, you know, the first few months, it's all about uh, doing a lot of TVA breathing, like that belly breathing and connecting, um, and then pelvic floor exercises. So you should definitely avoid all those push-ups, crunches, um, a lot of exercises that put that pressure in that in the abdomen, but instead they are, you can do side planks, you can do hip bridges, you can do like using a core ball, you can do um, a lot of exercises that are actually even more effective. And I have shared a lot of those. If you go to my postpartum highlights, um, I did my best to share a lot of different moves that are, I my core is stronger now than my, my other two pregnancies. And it's because of those exercises, because this time around, I had the knowledge and knowing what, what to avoid and what to do that was actually help my body heal faster and, and get stronger again. So, um, yeah, so you want to do exercises and then plank exercises. They are very common and they are amazing. But when you're postpartum in your core, if you have diastasis recti and you don't have that proper body awareness, it can make it worse too. So mm -hmm. if, if you do them, just make sure that you're doing them in intervals of five seconds at a time. And then you're properly engaging your glutes, activating your core and breathing so that you get the benefits. You know, there's so many information out there. I will, I always advise women to at least go to a few um, physiotherapists um, and someone who specializes in pelvic floor because you're going to learn so much and then you can apply and do those exercises at home. I'm telling my friend, she's been um, helping me like seeing a lot of the people in the test group that are starting to run for the first time and they're already week three. And these are people who never ran before. And now they're doing a 5K. And, and I was telling her, like, our bodies are amazing. They're so resilient as long as we know how to properly exercise and take care of it. Mm -hmm. So I see how just because you have the dysfunctions right now, that doesn't have to be your norm. You can do things that are going to help you improve your diastasis recti. You can definitely re regenerate and restore that pelvic floor, floor health so that you have, you know, pain-free sex, that, that you have like all these yeah. things that we get affected because I have three C-sections. And one of the things that I'm grateful was I had developed so much scar tissue from my other two C-sections because I was never given instructions on how to take care of all the things that you're supposed to do when you're a C-section mama. Like you're supposed to massage the scar because if not, that's going to create additions. Like when you know when that scar tissue internally starts to spread into your organs and I remember complaining to my doctor, but I have pain and I'm uncomfortable. The first thing that I heard them say when they were doing my C-section, because he obviously, we have a good relationship with my doctor. He was like, oh, wow, this, you have so much of that scar tissue. So he was able to remove as much as possible. So you have There's to massage so your scar tissue? So when you have, yes, with no, very few doctors saw you. So when you have a C-section, you have the outside scar but then you have the your, your uterus like the uterus uh -huh. scar as well 
And even thanks to Instagram, you might see someone who might do physiotherapy and they do cupping. They do like scar. They, they, they use these techniques to kind of like break down the scar tissue because that creates pro uh, problems in the women. It can create pain when you have obviously intercourse with your, with your mm -hmm. partner. It can create low back pain. It can create mobility issues um, when you're doing exercises. And then the same goes for diastasis recta. Like we need to know and be prepared since we're expecting like get as many education as we can mm -hmm. and thank god for the internet there's a lot of amazing doctors yeah. and specialists that are offering free content so it is very important that we empower ourselves because how much time do we spend with our doctors they're not invested in you they don't they don't you know they they have so many patients they have to see in a day yeah. i don't agree like i think a six week was part-time that's too long I you know how many things happen yes. for women during that yes. time in talking about postpartum depression all these things how many things can be avoided if they were like Top with them by the time you're a six week postpartum, you either accept it, whatever you were feeling, or yeah, we were left to figure it out on their own. As I just want to go through a few quick questions for women and especially mothers, not specifically talking about postpartum, but it can be years they don't feel as strong as they, they would like. What are some key areas on the body they should focus on? Clothes is the number one um, because we spend so much time seated that we develop something that um, is called like gluteal amnesia. So even if you do exercises, let's say you start doing squats and lunges, most people are quadricep dominant. So you kind of lose that connection with your glutes. And then pretty much every exercise that you do, your quads absorb that. Mm -hmm. So that whole myth of like, oh, you want to get a great bod, do squats. Squats are not the best exercises for your glutes. But the thing is like, because the glutes, they offer so much support. They're connected with our hip flexors and then our low back. Just by strengthening the glutes, that's actually how, what I, how I focus on my lower body, um, the glutes, because I have my history of injuries and things. You're entire lower bodies get amazingly toned and fit and strong. So definitely the glutes and then in increasing your mobility in your hips. I actually added in every warm up that we're going to do and the, and the program. So we do a lot of hip mobility and exercises. We use the bands to make sure that a lot of glute strengthening exercises because your glutes help stabilize your knee, your low back. So it's very, very important. And when you have your glutes are stronger too, um, your core, every exercise that you do for your glutes, you're also activating your core in the process. That is something that I will always advise women. And then the core, obviously, and then do like balance exercises, like exercises that will increase your stability, like single leg exercises, some balance, deadlift. Um, and then after that, I will say um, shoulder exercises. A lot of women, they get a oh, lot really? of tension. Yeah, because we get our neck, we get a lot of tension, you know, and from our babies, yeah. our posture and things like that. When, you, when we strengthen that area, like the upper body, the shoulders, which is one of the most common injuries, like rotator cuff, um, it really helps you that that's why I couldn't run for years and lift weights. My this, we're starting to press again the spinal cord. So that was very, very aggressive. So I noticed like when I started losing that upper body strength and I stopped exercising my arms, my neck pain got worse. And then even the headaches and things. So now I always strengthen my shoulders and I do a lot of exercises to increase the mobility and the range of motion. And it has just helped me with my neck as well. What equipment do you think is best? Because in your videos, you use a lot of that elastic bands. And yeah, I just... 
Yeah, and they, they're amazing. What other equipments that a woman can use at home that is very efficient in working their bodies? The weight, definitely weight. Strength training is good. And not be um, afraid to go like, if you're picking up a baby that is like 20 pounds, 30 pounds, a toddler, you can do 10, 15, and even 20 pounds in your arms. Don't be afraid of that. That is a myth that you're going to get really bulky. For So I, I would advise women to have like a light and a medium to heavy pair of thumbs or, or even just one heavy. So when you do lower body exercises, because obviously you're going to be able to lift way more in your lower body than in your upper body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like women shy away from that and they miss all the benefits. And I want to tell you, you know, that body that women want to have that is toned, but then it's kind of like leaner for some reason that's the ideal standard that mm-hmm. women think that they want to have that doesn't happen if we don't develop muscle mass so um what burns the fat in our body is creating that muscle tissue that is active that helps us to stay um with all uh, increased metabolism and that is going to help you burn more calories even when you're resting so the way the best way to change the body composition a lot of people think i'm just going to do a lot a lot of cardio because i lose the weight but i always tell women when you only focus on the cardio you go from a, a big pair to a smaller pair like your body doesn't really change that much you just go from that version to like a smaller version of that but when you combine both the cardio and the strength training you are doing both like the fat loss and then increasing that muscle mass that is actually going to give you the tone look and in my experience that's what women want but then they are afraid to get bulky but Mm -hmm. the thing is like it's really hard to get bulky like i do for upper body i use 25s i use 30s um i have a very advanced level of fitness and yes when i eat very healthy my arms are going to get really really defined but i don't think i look masculine but even for women to get to that level, it's going to take them years. So most women lifting 10s, 15, you just simply get like that tone look. So it's very hard for women, especially after 30, being 35, to gain that muscle mass because we don't have the same levels of testosterone that men do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's something that I always want to remind women. Now, don't be afraid. Just by lifting weights, it is literally impossible. What you're going to do is you're going to get stronger. You're going to feel more empowered in your body. And you're going to accelerate the body composition because you're going to notice difference um, a lot and you're going to break away from that mindset of just the weight loss and enjoy the process a little bit more you look at the photos and you're like oh my god my body has changed drastically and i'm still the same way like strength training is like eating your vegetables literally like at least twice three times a week just because someone is skinny doesn't mean they might they might be what they call skinny fat so if you do like a body scan they might have very little like muscle mass so they might just be like skinny mm-hmm. um, and, and that tissue is gold. Like we need to have muscles. And when, the thing is like when people think muscle, they just assume that you're going to look ripped and things like that. And I'm, and I'm talking about that is going to help you have a better hormonal environment that is going to make you feel more energized. And again, and it's going to really help you with the weight loss and fat aspects of that. So I feel like every woman, some are just like going to see results faster than others. That is the only difference. And this is the thing, there's not a one size fits all, but when it comes to getting results, what it really, really helps and what's been proven, you need to apply something called the progressive overload 
principle because your body and muscles quickly adapt to the stimulus. So if you've been exercising for the same for months and years, doing the same exercises with the same weight, your body will stop responding. And that's why women have to diet to so crazy extremes. Mm. And they have that weird relationship with food because they're like, oh, but I'm not seeing results. Then it's my diet. Then it's my diet. It's my diet. No. Look at the way you're training too. Are you actually increasing um, the intensity each passing week? And that can be by resting less by doing more repetitions or as easier by adding heavier weights. Um, and I always advise women at least every two or three weeks, even if you do a, a few repetitions, just challenge your muscles and go a little heavier. When you always exercise with light, light, light weights, unless you have, you're eating salads all the time and you have a crazy, amazing genetics, it's really hard to, to get that muscle mass. And as we age, we are, it gets harder and harder to perceive that. So that's why I always tell women, especially after 35, best prioritize strength training, low impact exercises. And if you want to like, obviously be in your best shape, then add cardio strategic strength training part. That was one of my questions because sometimes I'm like, is it better to go with lighter weights, add more repetition or go heavier with less reps? Because it seems like for women, they're, they're using less weights and more repetition. And for men, it's like the more, the heavier, the better. So to build strength, uh, you have to go like challenge, like light weights are not going to help you build strength. You might build some muscle endurance. You can also do that with heavier weights. So the thing is like, we want to see results a little faster, right? You want to get stronger. You want to get change your body composition. That is like the fastest way to do so and the most effective one. So the other thing, if you go lighter and you're always just going to be doing that, like muscle endurance, like high levels of volume. So our muscles, they can be challenged different ways. But if you don't vary, it's, it's, it's not going to grow. And in order for our muscles to grow, you literally have to break it to break it. Yeah. It sounds weird. But if, and if you're not doing that, if with five pounds, you're not going to accomplish that. So it's in that um, process of regenerating themselves, the muscles and things, that's where you get the results too. But that only occurs like for, for most women, um, eight pounds for upper body at the beginning, but then you're going to notice like after a few weeks, that's not going to challenge you. So I always tell women by rep number six, seven, you should feel fatigue. Mm. it should feel really challenging by rep 10 it should feel like oh wow like you could barely keep going so that's the range that i always keep women 10 to 10 if you're going heavier and if we're doing circuits like the program that i just filmed now i was filming with heavy weights um so some some exercises you get like eight repetitions six seven but because we're still adding the density aspect we're still doing so many exercises back to back oh my God, the results were incredible. Like, um, because you're doing both. You're doing strength, you're doing muscle, muscular endurance, um, but you're also grabbing the heavy weight that's, that's going to break the muscle so that you can actually um, get the results that you want. Okay, got it. A few questions. These ones are fun or more about you. So I call it the freshly squeezed question. So you answer okay. in like one sentence or less. Okay. I know this might be difficult for you, but well, they're no, really I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> What's your go-to snack during the day? Bananas. Bananas. So okay. Um, what do you usually um, eat or drink after workout? Uh, a protein shake that is it's called Recover. It's plant-based, yes. How many workout sneakers do you have? Oh, my. Okay, that's not fair because it's not that I use them. That's my job. And 
one of the things I don't like about social media, you know, people keep count of how many times you have this. <laughs> I have like 40, but I have way more workout clothes than normal clothes. Yeah. And a lot of times, I, like when I film in, when I'm done filming programs, I get to keep the wardrobe. So that's why like, it's not a fair. So I have, mm-hmm. way, and I'm always giving shoes to my friends or my, my sister. So I have a lot of pair of sneakers. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Your favorite way to relax. Okay, I guess I haven't done it too <laughs> too often. <laughs> I just I don't know. Sometimes I just watch a little TV or or just go in the bed with my husband and the girls. Yeah, but it's it varies. Yes, but it's, okay. it involves doing nothing productive. Definitely. I have to ask. You have such shiny and healthy looking hair. I'm like. Oh. What's your secret? First of all, I don't dye. This is my natural color other than the highlights. And these highlights were like months ago. They were like, like I did like a little bash. They're like in the end. So I think it's that. I think I've, I've put color in my hair like five times in my entire life. So mm-hmm. I think that has been the key. Like it's not that chemical like process. And then I don't wash it every day. And I always put oils, but... And this is recently because I told you during my pregnancy last time and postpartum, it was a different, I actually cut it really short because of that. I think it's the black hair tends to look shinier, the darker. Mm. And when people have like lighted hair, I think it has to be the color. Yes. (laughs) And thank you. (laughs) What's still on your bucket list? Something you really want to do? I travel more. I was planning on travel more this year. And yeah, we all know what happened. (laughs) Oh, I have. Uh, yes, travel. And I would take my daughters. Like usually, I travel alone. My husband thinks like that, unless it's like like a family vacation. Um, yeah. But I want to take them with me. Mm. Yeah. What helps you focus? Like you've accomplished amazing things. How do you stay so focused? Um, I obviously like I'm very. I love what I do. I'm very passionate, but I actually have a really hard time when it comes to focus on my goals. That's easy. I'm very driven by. By accomplishment, which is, but, but now I don't let them define me, mm-hmm. but in day to day, I struggle with that. I'm not embarrassed to say I have the ADHD. I've never had any medication for it. Um, I'm always a bit afraid, but I do time batching. So okay. for me that, you know, that you probably know what that is. Yeah. So it's the only way that I can focus on one thing at a time. So where can listeners connect with you, find more about your program? Talk about the one. Yeah. So the new program, 30 Day Breakaway, they can, um, they can follow me on social media and eat Ivy Fitness, or, or they can go to the, the 30daybreakaway.com and 30 with three, it's a three, oh, uh, three and a zero. And it's, uh, it's just the most Oh my gosh, like, like transformational, but not just about the physique. It has been the most empowering program that I've ever created. And as the trainer and creator, I've never been, this is like my, my other baby. I don't know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. It has been, it combines my two specialties and, and I've been able to use the knowledge that I've, I have um, attained throughout the years in my experiences and combine something that makes people feel really good about themselves, about what their body can do, and not just about the weight loss, about what they look. So that's why they're getting incredible results. Mm-hmm. So my last question, I asked everyone that comes on the podcast, so we all know that being a mother, a parent is roller coaster of emotions and experiences. Mm-hmm. So keeping motherhood inspired, what one thing? have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your parenting journey? 
I'm, oh, exercise and being a mom has been my favorite thing in life. I am not perfect at it, but I think I just always knew I wanted to have a family. And because obviously I didn't have that relationship with my mom, I just wanted, I knew since I was a little girl, like I knew I'm going to be a great mom and I'm going to love my kids. And I just really, really love it. But being like easygoing, like real, I think the moment that I realized my daughters are not going to remember if they're, you know, if the house is perfect, even though I tried it to be, you know, healthy, I mean, clean, but they're <laughs> not going to remember not the mom that makes my kids bed. I'm like, no, you do it yourself. I, I don't do their laundry. I am that mom. I'm like, oh, you are, they all have a schedule. Like I want them to be pretty independent and self-sufficient. There's a lot of things that I do for them, but I think what they're going to remember is the moments that we have, like the fun, the conversations. And that's what keeps me like those moments that I get with them, like one-on-one and we just very silly together. I think that's what keeps me energized. Like remembering like the main goal, what I want to achieve as a mom, instead of all these little things that we tend to spend so much time beating ourselves up for it, that really doesn't matter. They don't care as much as we think. Mm. <laughs> so, bye everyone. I hope you, oh, you can embrace all the beautiful things in motherhood, the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening, two, three, four, five, six stars, whatever you feel reflect podcast. This will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>